Welcome to the Dayspring Community Church Podcast. Check out our website at dayspringonline.org. And it says that he opened their eyes to the scripture. And any time that uh, I've learned over the years to look at the scripture and see Jesus, because he's the Alpha and the Omega, he's the beginning and the end. You know, Matt uh, asked me to uh, share from the last part of the Psalm 118. And that's a very interesting psalm. There, you know, I asked the question, what could, I asked the Lord, Lord, you know, what can I learn from this? And it's amazing how much God showed me in it. And it's, you know, we don't have time, but I'm just going to hit the high spots, okay? You know, <clears throat> this psalm was quoted by the disciples and Jesus as they left the upper room. It says in Mark that they left and they sung a song. If you look at Psalm 118, you said, why in the world was that psalm? Psalm. Because you, you would expect at the atmosphere that we're in right now, that would be a song of, of sorrow and sadness. But it was a song of praise and thanksgiving. Now you got to realize that they sung this in the darkest hour of the life of Jesus. The darkest hour. You know, when they left that upper room, they were on their way to the Mount of Olives. And he knew what was ahead, but I don't think the disciples knew what was ahead. He knew what he faced. And I asked the question, I said, Lord, how could you praise when you knew what you were headed into? You know, think about it. He would have the Roman soldiers beat him almost to death with his skin torn from his body. After they did that, they pressed a thorn of thorns on his head that in itself, if you've seen the thorns that were in the desert of the Holy Land, you'd see it's just like a ice pick. And then they stripped him naked. They put a robe on him and spat in his face. It says a, t- a a certain percentage of the reg- regiment of Rome, that would be about 600 men, and they jeered him. But yet, he left that place headed for the cross. Now I ask a question, what can, Lord, what can I learn from this? Well, the Bible says in, in Hebrews, it says that he counted it all joy he counted it all joy and suffered the cross, took on his shame, and sat down on the right hand of the Father. Why? Because of you and me. You know, I looked at that psalm and I saw several things. The first thing that really noticed was in the 24th verse of it. It says, this is the day the Lord has made. And I will be glad and rejoice in it. I say, Jesus knew this is the day that he was born to fulfill. 
Justin, you, you and I have a day of destiny. The Lord gives us every day to accomplish what he sent us here for. Now, Matt may not remember this, but oh gracious, it was five or six years ago. He made a statement about Jesus and, and Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus. And boy, it, it really hit me, Matt. I've never forgotten it. See, Jesus said why he came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, we don't, we, I always thought from my background, but he was talking about he came to save me. No, he came to save mankind and restore mankind back to the relationship that Adam had with God before the fall. For Adam was the son of God. God was his father. And God put him on this earth to rule and reign in life and, uh, under the power of God. And see, that's why Jesus counted it all joy. Well, I begin to focus on the word joy. It's not happiness. Most of us think it's happiness, but it's not. See, joy is contentment. I know what God is doing. I know that he created this day for me to be who he created me to be. And he created me to be a reflector of him to his creation. And I'm to fulfill that every day that God gives me on this earth. Because this is the day the Lord hath made. And I will rejoice that I get to do his will. See, Jesus knew what he came to do. He came to restore mankind, you and I, back to a relationship with God and establish his kingdom on earth. And that's what he died for. But you, when I look further at that psalm, I saw some other things. In the last portion of that, it says, open the gates of righteousness. See, the word righteous means right standing with God. Had it not been for the cross, we would be unrighteous. But because Jesus walked through the gates and became the righteousness of God, we can quote Romans 1.18 where it says, I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus, for it's the power of God to salvation to all those to the Jew and to the Gentile, for in it there is a righteousness by faith. Those that have been justified live by faith. So see, that's one thing Jesus did at the cross. He made it possible for every man, woman, boy, and girl who enters through the way, and he is a way, he is a gate, to be righteous in the sight of God. It's an imputed righteous. You can't do enough to be right with God, but you have to accept what God has done for you. The other thing I saw, he said, God, you are my salvation. There's no other name by which a man may be saved except through Jesus Christ. He is our salvation. See, the root word of salvation is saved, right? And one way to look at that, one definition of saved is to be made whole. He makes us whole. Now what happened to Adam? Adam was whole before he sinned. But when Adam sinned, and, that, and we all get messed over with our idea and interpretation of what sin was, but sin is nothing more than rebellion. 
rebellion against God, rebellion against his word. If you go back and study the scripture, every time the children of Israel violated the commandments of God, they were taken into captivity. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he is our salvation. He has made us whole because he has given us, he has given us the Holy Spirit. The other thing is, in that same psalm, it says, he is a rock. He's a cornerstone. He's what holds the whole body of Christ together. Christianity is not an individual thing. It's a corporate thing. Because we are part of the body of Christ. And as long as we stay focused on him and nothing more, anything we put before Jesus is an idol in our life. And we need to understand that. And it says here in that psalm also, there was rejoicing. You know, we, you know, we rejoice. Okay, what does that mean? That I can thank God for everything. Because all things are working together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Give thanks in all things, for that is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Rejoice means be content. Paul says, I'll be content in all things. I have the joy of knowing that God was in charge. Now, Abraham had a, had a problem with this, but God solved the problem. Remember in Romans 4, it says, without hope, he had hope. Think about this statement. Without hope, he had hope. What he's saying is, he didn't have any hope in the flesh. It was impossible for him to have a kid at a hundred but he had hope that God was able to do what God said he would do. And you've got to remember that hope is the beginning of faith, of trusting God. The other thing that I saw is said, we are blessed. What did you do to deserve to be saved? What did I do to deserve to be saved? Not a thing. God chose us, then he gave us a free will to choose him. You choose. Just like Joshua, you choose this day whom you're going to serve. The other thing that I saw from this is that all this, all this has to generate praise and worship. Because you see this in this in this psalm, the Lord is good. His loving kindness is from everlasting to everlasting, and his mercy endures forever. That's what Jesus, that was a content of the soul as Jesus walked to the cross. Resurrection is coming. Christ, our Passover, you know, they practiced this for a couple of thousand years before it came out. They were talking about it from Exodus 12 all the way through the scripture to this day about Passover. Everything in Passover talked about Jesus. Even the time he died was the time Jesus died on the cross. So we look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen.